Hello friends! This is People Are Interesting with Jan K. In each episode of this show, unique individuals share stories that take us on a ride across ideas and places. Featuring crocodile attacks in Indonesia, escaping war-torn Lebanon, and shark protection schemes in Mauritania. This podcast takes you where you've never been before. Enjoy and thank you for joining the club. Where has life taken you? I'm in uh, Curitiba, Brazil. You even say it the right way, huh? I hope so. I think so. Because they don't really roll R's. I feel like Brazilians don't really roll R's, do they? Ooh, not like a Spanish, no. Right? Yeah. No, not at all. Like, they, they pronounce things totally differently. But if you ask locals here, I probably butcher the name, but like, <laughs> I uh, do my best. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where is the place you're, you're, you're in right now? Because ignorance like me only know Rio, Copacabana and, you know, Sao Paulo. Okay. So uh, I'm a little south of Sao Paulo in the state of Paraná. And yeah, the city is Curitiba. It's like the capital of the state. I'm in my own apartment here. <laughs> cool. Well, how how did you end up living in in Brazil? Like, what? How long have you been there? And what what what, what what's up? How long? What's it been? Seven months, I think. I've been here since January, middle of January. Like I just started traveling around, and um, yeah decided to stay basically <laughs> but it's but it's so it's so unusual it takes such an unusual mindset to be i'm just gonna you know move to brazil and travel around and maybe stay somewhere that i like can you can you tell tell us a little bit more about how you know how, how you you essentially become the person you are the person who is willing to you know just take a suitcase and go to brazil <laughs> yeah of course no i i think like it really depends if you just take your suitcase and you move to Brazil for the rest of your life. I think that's a different thing than what I'm really doing. I am, I just have this kind of lifestyle and some other people have this as well of moving around a bit. Um, as you, as you may know, well, we met in Spain. Um, before this, I, I lived in uh, Ireland as well, in the Netherlands where I'm from. And uh, I don't know, it's a, kind of like a lifestyle. I just move around a lot. Uh, I don't like staying in the same place for too long. <laughs> why, why do you like moving a, a around? Most people are sedentary. What are you doing? I guess it's a bit of uh, exploration of the world, right? <laughs> of, yeah. And like, I, I'm, I'm not a traveler kind of guy that goes to a place, uh, visits the tourist spots and then goes home. That's not, that's not me. I, I like to emerge into mm-hmm. a culture, sometimes learn language, what I'm trying to do here as well. And yeah, really get to know the place. Right. But from what you told me, going to Brazil was very ad hoc. It wasn't planned. Yeah, or... it wasn't in my planning, but it was, it was an option. So I just took it. It was a bit spontaneous. Um, but I don't, I don't know what else I would have done, actually. But how, how, much, pla- how much planning did, did you put into arranging? Oh, ab- ab- absolutely none, man. Um, I... But like the reason I got here, I uh, was like, I started traveling, but that, that was actually a, a different story. On the, what's it, 14th of January this year, I was planning on going back to Ireland uh, 
getting a job in Dublin there. And uh, I actually got a job. Um, I don't know what exactly how that ended. But um, I, I texted that, uh, that night, I texted a friend of mine who was living in Ireland if I could crash at his place till I found my own. And then he told me, he's from Brazil, that uh, he said like, man, I'm, I'm done with the restrictions here in Ireland. Uh, I need some freedom. I'm going to go back to Brazil. Want to join me? And then he told me like, I'm leaving in three days or just three or four days, something like that. It's really, really short. Um, so that moment I just decided like, okay, fuck it. <laughs> fuck that job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> didn't pay that well anyway. Let's go to Brazil. And um, two days, three days later, I, I flew here and just started traveling around. And that and after two months, uh, I just decided to stay. Can you tell me more about the decision decision making process that went through your head when instead of going to Ireland you decided to go to Brazil because I feel like there is a lot of value in trying to like understand trying to pick up your brain and you know I think a lot of people including me can learn a lot about being spontaneous. I'm not saying that everyone should, you know, hop on the first plane to Brazil and just launch themselves to a completely new environment. But almost every day you can take chances or you can stay within your comfort zone. And like, I feel like you decided to get out of your comfort zone big time and, you know, kudos to you, sir. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I, I think with a lot of things I do, I get out of that comfort zone, but in this case, maybe not so much actually. It was a bit of a uh, things coming together, like a bit, a bit of spontaneous things uh, as well. I, I just looked for something new to do and I didn't want to go back to the Netherlands, uh, especially not during Corona time, the pandemic. It's everything's closed. It's not much going on and most of my friends didn't live there. So I just didn't want to go back mostly. Uh, I also I met my girlfriend here. Uh, um, well, before I decided to stay, we just saw each other a couple of times, but that also gave a little bit of the push. But, but you, I'm, I'm think... guessing you didn't know her before you, you. No, no, we met each other here. Brazil, right? So yeah, your friend is telling you, "Look, I'm going to Brazil in three days. Do you want to come?" What 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 that was that decision? That's what that's the decision you mean? Yes. Ah. I don't know how would you explain that. I think that is just looking yourself in the mirror, asking yourself that question, and saying, "Fuck it, let's go." What do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you you only live once. It's a bit of a YOLO type thing, but you just I gotta go it. for it sometimes. I love it. That's the only way uh, you can live a full life. I think you just take risks. So was it a conscious decision that you've made, or was it? actually not you didn't really put any thought to it to go or to stay uh, to when you when you decided okay i'm just gonna hop on that plane i i've never been to brazil i my plan was to go to ireland because that's even more you know it might be even more confusing to some people because you actually had a had a decent plan set up you had a job lined up you had a lot of things that to many people they would be they would feel fixed with their plan like they would not abort the mission yet you were like i always choose the better plan <laughs> yeah yeah 180 <laughs> degrees change and 
you know, it just disappeared. Yeah. Um, I think that was mostly, I, I just didn't like my plan before. This was way better. It was just an option, man. Um, there's an opportunity. And if there's an opportunity facing you, you got to take it. If you don't take that opportunity, you will miss out. That's the, like, that's the only thing you will regret, will regret in life, I think, if you don't take your opportunities. So if you see them, you got to take them. And this was one of them. I love it. I love it. But was it always like that for you? Or this is the kind of, I would say, mm. mindset that you acquired over time? I think that came over time. Um, when I was younger, probably had this less. But I was always a bit frustrated with how things were. How were things going? Like with study and with work? I don't know. There, there's a lot of things that this world like tells you to be, and I wasn't that. So that just frustrated me, and that pushed me in learning how to like break out of it. When you say, when you say that you know the world, there's things that the society expects from you what what do you mean and what like the the simple things of uh, going to school get your university degree or whatever degree you're getting then you get a job that pays almost nothing probably because in this day and age when you get out of college you get paid shit basically for most things at least i got offered shit um then you work till you pay off your debt and then you buy a house and then you get a child and then you pay off that debt of that child and you can pay for the kids college then you die maybe (laughs) one year of retirement or something in between i don't know that's not the thing i want to do but like that's where i see most people going right okay so when did you observe this pattern and when did you kind of decide to break out of it well, I think I think at a quite young age, but that was mostly because after high school I didn't know what to study. I um, I mean I chose something uh, and then I dropped out of the first university, went to the second one, which ended up being chemistry. But I only chose it because like I was kind of good at it in high school, and but there were like many things I wanted to do. It's not one perfect like profession I want to do. It sounds boring. You study, then you're done, and then you do the same thing for 40 years? Like, hell no. Mm. <laughs> that, not, that doesn't sound good to me. So <laughs> during that time, I, uh, I, I like I kind of research other things. Um, uh, during college, I, uh, I did like night class for entrepreneur school and started investing a bit and learning about other stuff as well. And uh, at the end of college, I started working in sales, which eventually got me into a job in Ireland. And now, um, yeah, I'm working in the cryptocurrency industry. So, um, yeah. Not chemistry. Not I like exactly. to switch. Yeah, not exactly chemistry. No. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, fair. So you're saying that this is... Do you think there, anyone can, can just take chances in life? Or do you think oh, yeah, it requires something, something, something special? No, I, I think anyone can do it. Like, it's not difficult. You just got to do it. It's like discipline. You need to train yourself. It's your mind. It's like, it's not, it's not a skill you have. Like, right now, I'm, I'm learning an extra language here, for example. Um, well, we're speaking English right now. I speak Dutch as well. And we were in Spanish school together. Yeah. So that says something, I guess, about my language abilities here. And I was 
the like labeled in high school as a kid with dyslexia and I could uh, drop out of language classes because I would learn slowly anyway. Mm. And I think what I'm doing here right now proves the point that that was bullshit. Yeah, like 100% proves the point. No matter like who you are, like what you do or how smart you are, like you can do it. It's just discipline. Mm-hmm. That's all. And you can train it yourself. But do you think you think people can train themselves to take opportunities when they present themselves? Yeah, you can train yourself for that. Like you seeing an opportunity is a skill. Definitely. Okay. Okay. Can you can you elaborate on that a little bit? For example, how 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 did you how did you acquire the skill? How do you maybe use it in your daily <laughs> life or at least how do you how do you try to well, do it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Like that's mostly mindset. I think like a lot of people procrastinate, um, they see things at the, like a negative side and I, I think, or they're impatient. Impatience is like the worst thing you see these days, but uh, that's in my opinion, mostly uh, a blame to social media and uh, the quick highs we get every day. Mm-hmm. But if you learn to see things more positive, and it's just so simple as that, like just see things positive, you're going to see more opportunities. Like, People like to use logic to make something look bad or pessimistic. Like use a statistic to show how bad something is or how small the chances are. But if you use that same thing as a like a mindset to approach things, everything will look shitty and you will never see up. You will never see any opportunities. You gotta like look up optimistic, like how is it? Optimistic to the opportunities and then try to use your logic to see if you can actually do it without harming yourself. <laughs> That's all you need to do. <laughs> as long as you don't harm yourself or anyone else, like there's, what's the risk in taking a chance sometimes? That's so true. But I don't think people think that. No, they don't think it by themselves. And I think I was way more pessimistic when I was younger too. I just started reading a lot of these books about this kind of stuff self-help and that actually helped me yeah just self-help books little life coaching things yeah (laughs) yeah i love it yeah like some people say like oh no it's the book that's gonna tell you to be a billionaire if you do this and this and this i mean there is also a lot of yeah books like that uh the guy who wrote it is trying to make money (laughs) true true you have some bullshit in there of course but like with everything you have some bullshit but I don't think that it is bullshit. That's the thing. It, some people may over-exaggerate some things, that's for sure. But in the end, usually it comes down to the same things. I mean, personal growth definitely isn't bullshit. Yeah, yeah like the, this thing, if, if there's a book that says like, oh, uh, grow yourself and do this and this and this, and you'll make 10,000 trillion, million, billion, I don't know how many dollars. Yeah, that's bullshit, of course. But the thing is, like, if it still teaches you some things about self-growth, it's going to have a positive impact on you, even yep. if, it, if it delivers on its promises or not. Yep. So Definitely. you can better do it than not do it. Definitely. That's what I think. So you hop on the plane. Did you... What was the... From the moment you, you made the decision, okay, I'm going to Brazil until you hopped on the plane what was the what happened in the meantime in between oh um not much um i need to get my vaccinations very fast 
I was lucky to get like an appointment the next day. What kind um, of what kind of diseases did I have there? Like yellow fever, was it hepatitis A or something? Um, all the good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff. And you have uh, the stuff from the dogs. How's that called again? Uh, rubbish, rubbish. I don't know. You know that stuff where the dog has like a foam around their mouth. Ah, <laughs> that stuff. Rabies, maybe that's rabies. It that's it. That's it. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. 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 yeah you have that one, and then um, is there a lot of stray dogs? Yeah. Yeah. You do. Really? Like it, it depends what part of the country you are. If you go more uh, north, you have a more. I'm I'm in the south. Things in the south are a bit different. I mean, um, I said for the, this country, kind of like a posh city. So. Not so much here, but if you go outside or to the countryside, definitely, yeah. So, Brazil isn't the same from what you're saying. It, it's a very, well, I mean, it's a huge country. What, what, are, the dif- no, what are the differences, in your opinion, just <laughs> from what you've seen? The differences, like, within the country or, like, to other countries compared? No, no, within, within Brazil. So what what places have you have you seen during your seven months here and? What... Well, I've I've been mostly in the south. Like the most north I've been is Salvador. Mm-hmm. Um, but this country has like different cultures, and I think that comes from like the wild class, but also from your yeah. Sounds a bit racist, but that I guess it is your race, like where you grew up, how rich you are, and that kind of things make a lot of difference here. I mean, Brazil, if I remember correctly, Brazil there has been i don't know factor of 10 or something the amount of you know the people that were imported from africa as slaves than there were to the south of america like uh, south of the united states so there's there's oh yeah yeah way yeah, like they, more slaves been been moved to to brazil yeah this used to be one of the biggest uh slave countries you could say yeah in the world. Yeah, the, and and they also ended it the latest, I think, uh, somewhere at the end of the eighteen hundreds. Oh wow! Okay, they 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 kept on going for quite some time, but uh, mm-hmm. okay, so I they... guess that's all. This is all history now. Right? So, but so the the, the actually population is like fifty fifty. That's actually a funny thing. In terms of um, black and white, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Where you put that line is maybe sometimes a bit difficult to say, as you have a lot of mixing, of course, but. Like reportedly, the country is fifty-fifty more or less. Oh wow! And there's two hundred million Brazilians. Yeah, two two twenty, I think. But uh, it it really depends where you are in the country. Like um, in the south, where I'm saying, you have a lot of German immigrants from the 1900s, or was it the beginning of the 20th uh, century, that moved here. So, uh, for example, my girlfriend, she's uh, from German roots, but like hundred years ago, and I've been to her hometown, which is um, like a small farmer town here. And like people do speak some German there, it's kind of funny. Oh wow! Yeah, and they, everything they... is like German themed. Really? They, yeah. they kind of retain the German culture, or is it they are Brazilians? A bit of both. Like they say they're German, then they're they're kind of proud of it. But their culture is not really the same as German culture these days. What what, what kind of what's going on there in in, in this? Well, you can imagine, like, most of these people, they're, like, people my age, their great-grandparents came here, like, 100 years ago. 
So Germany has been through well quite some things since then, and the culture has changed as well, right? And the people that have the German culture here, they, they didn't really change. They they kept the the same kind of culture. So well, it, it has something. They, sim- oh, sorry. So no, you're no, saying they have a they have as if like you went to Germany a hundred years ago. That's what yeah. they're having there. <laughs> exactly, but that mixed with the Portuguese, basically, or the Brazilians in this this case. Wow. So it's uh, yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's it's its own culture, you could say. Interesting. So what's what's that? So it, it kind of each country, you would say there's a geographic distinction. So for example, in the let's say in the U.S., you would have you know no the north and the south divide. In Germany, you would have the west and east Germany, mm-hmm. things like that. What's the dividing line in Brazil? So in Brazil, basically most people, if you ask them, they will say there are like five parts. So there's the south where I'm. Then you have like the, I'm probably going to not say the region 100% correctly, but like the um, northwest, northeast, middle west, and middle east. Mm -hmm. Well, not middle east, but (laughs) you know what I mean. Um, So it's basically divided in five parts. Mm Mm-hmm. So w- 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 why is it divided this way? What's... I think it's mostly because of the kind of like ecosystems you have. Like you have the Amazon, and you have the coastline in the north, the coastline uh, around Sao Paulo and Rio, and you have the south where I am. And uh, you have like this other like grassland kind of like region a little bit north of uh, where I am. Okay. Okay, I see. And are people the same in all those places? They have their own accents. You know, in their own words, sometimes a little bit, probably slang and whatever, in between. Like I, I really noticed that I have my school, for example, my language school is located in Rio, but I live here in Curitiba, and that's like um, if you would put it according to these rules, like it would kind of be like a different country. So you you do notice a difference in the uh, language. Oh, okay. So how is your how 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 do you get get by with the with you know the language you know so far do you use do you use english do you use spanish how do you you know when you were well, trying I mean, to rent a flat what, what were you doing well my uh like my flatmates they all speak english so okay. i usually go for that that helps so yeah. english yeah english is my, my main language here like i uh I tried to throw some portuguese in there but it's uh like almost nothing <laughs> And what about the food? Is food different in different parts of the country? Yeah, I think so. To be honest, I'm not an expert on the food, man. You shouldn't ask me about that because I'm a vegetarian and this country loves their meat. So ah, okay. I'm not, uh, I don't know anything about the food, to be honest. Fair, fair. That, that, would be, that would be interesting to know. I would imagine that there must be some differences between what they eat in you know, different places. If you say that the nature is different depending on where in Brazil you are, then yeah. surely there must be something going on. But if you're a vegetarian in Brazil, what is it hard? What's what's like? Like uh, if you cook at home, it's always fine. And mm-hmm. to be honest, in a big city like this, you have a lot of vegetarian vegan places. It's just oh. if you go to traditional places or you want something cheap, it's always going to have meat. Oh, okay. So what do you do? Do you break do you break your vegetarian diet or no no i just eat at home or i go to a vegan place 
fair, 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 fair. There are enough of them. Okay, and the 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 city that you live in right now, what's what what's the vibe like? Sorry, Leva. What's the vibe like in the city you live in? Well, pretty calm. I mean, it's still COVID time, so it's not that busy out. Was did they shut everything down there? Was no, no, they never really shut everything down, but there are some restrictions. Oh wait, are you are you vaccinated? I got my first dose like a week ago, actually. Oh wow! Okay, it's not that bad then. No, oh. no, no, no. But they've been going pretty fast lately here. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I thought that you know, I thought it was only Europe, America, and you know, some other countries that were no making any progress. No. no, like most, I think most of the world is like going pretty fast right now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, that's so good. At least in South America, what I know, but. Okay, that's maybe maybe not all countries, but Brazil's not doing bad. What's the what's the vaccination rate in Brazil? I have no idea. Like first dose, I think it's more than fifty percent all actually. Oh, that's so. But good. like sec- second dose, you know, like I have to wait three months before I get the second one. So yeah, that's quite long. Yeah, but I mean, at least you're you you have the first one. Yeah, the first one soon. Yeah. But. So let's let's go back to this mindset that we were talking about i think there is something to be said about this because you do seek those adventures right it yeah that's what makes life interesting so before you went to brazil i i feel like you went on this really um lengthy trip right a hike you could say it adventure walking adventure or how would you describe an, an experience on foot it's called uh, the camino de santiago right <laughs> in its uh, correct name yeah that's that was definitely a journey i mean you walked what how many how many kilometers did you walk um who was about three thousand three thousand kilometers yeah how long did it take you i'm not 100 sure but it was like 100 days or a little more than that okay like 103 or something well, well you started in the netherlands yeah i uh, left my hometown uh Imnes, and from there i just walked every day about 30 30 to 40 40 kilometers depending on the day Oh, wow, 30 to 40 kilometers. I thought... Yeah, on average, to be honest. No, no, some days we had like 20 as well. But on average, it was about 30, I think. How many hours does it take you to to walk 30 kilometers? Oh, man, that really depends on the day and the terrain. Like, if you're walking through the hills, it's going to take you way longer. But um, yeah, I have no idea. Actually, I would just be outside all day till I find a new place to sleep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I never really focus on the time. Because I remember that I walked 20-something kilometers a couple of months ago. And I was genuinely so tired and so pleased to be back home to sleep in my bed. <laughs> and it was just one day. So I would need to multiply that times 100 yeah, to get the now experience. you get used to it. You get okay. used to it. 
Okay. It's uh, at the beginning maybe difficult, like uh, on the Camino, there's the saying that the first week is like for your body, the second week is for your mind, and the third week you're going to enjoy because uh, the first week is just going to be hard on your body. The second week is going to be hard on your mind. You're going to cry. You're going to hate it. You want to go home. And on the third week, you're going to start enjoying it. Why did so, you Why did you put yourself through this? Um, well, mostly for the adventure, just like the, the journey. But also a bit of the spiritual journey on the way. Like It's like you get to know yourself and you have to face yourself as well. It's, uh, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, no, I, I I literally can't imagine it to be to, to be an easy thing. But when you say that you you have to face yourself, what what do you mean, and what what has this experience taught you? Well, okay, first of all, it's like the the comfort zone, like that's definitely a thing. And for me, that I think that was the most difficult on the first day, because on the first day, especially if you're starting for the Netherlands, you're thinking, okay, like it's day one gonna leave how much kilometers do i have to go and then if you look at the map he has like three thousand to go <laughs> then <laughs> that feels like you're staring into like an endless endless distance like you're never gonna make it because it's so far away mm-hmm. and to take that first step is actually really difficult really yeah you gotta like leave that comfort zone because like before you leave you can like you can just not leave you can just stay home but where, where doing... did, did you ever worry that you that's actually what's going to happen to you oh at the beginning yeah like at the beginning i was like oh man i, I want to give up a couple times like oh really how not just a couple you? times like sorry how close were you to giving up actually would you say uh day four was very very close to giving up why well the, the first four days I was in the Netherlands and eventually I ended up in Breda. I think it was three or four days or it was day four that I left there. And my, my feet were destroyed. It was draining. It was cold. The day before that I actually slept outside and you, no one wanted to give me shelter for that night. So I slept outside next to a football club. Everything just sucked at that moment, and I wanted to go home. <laughs> and I was still close to home, so I could just tra- take a train if I wanted to and be back in an hour. But, Where, uh, what, what was the time of the year you set off? July, actually, oh. middle of summer, but it was crazy cold at that moment. Mm. Just that week, it was raining the whole week in the Netherlands. It was like, I think, warmest was like 12 degrees or maybe 14. So That's at night, it was so kind of cold. cold. Yeah, so, um, like, I, I had moments that it was really warm on the way, but uh, the beginning just was really cold. So, four days in, you want to give up. What what pushed you through? Yeah, that's a difficult question, actually. I think a couple things. I was really tired, so when I got to a hostel uh the hostel where i slept at night i just i went to bed like i I didn't think about going back i just slept i had a bed i was happy you know i just that's the only thing i needed so i thought i would just see tomorrow and um yeah that's what i did and next morning i woke up felt a little better so just try to keep on going push yourself like that's the only thing i could think of like just don't stop keep on going and I also had a little bit of the 
the push from like from a lot of other people you could say i uh, i did a crowdfunder to fund the the whole journey uh maybe you've seen it yep and well the thing is like if you do a crowdfunder that promises you're gonna walk the camino you cannot just go back after four days man <laughs> like <laughs> You can't do that. That's, only, that's also a thing. Actually, I think it's a good thing. It was very much a good thing. You have that in the back of your mind. Like, if you would go back, all those people that helped you get there, they're going to look you right in the eyes and probably say not so, such nice things, which I would have deserved if I if I quit it at that moment. So, yes. but I didn't. Yes, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So you you were... Trying to stay accountable. To yeah. And that was a good push for me. Exactly. Okay. So you pushed through the first few tough days. Yeah. What was what was it like? What was the experience like after? Well, I felt a little proud when I crossed the border to Belgium. I mean, walked through half a country, maybe the Netherlands, and it's small, but still half a country. So felt pretty good. But still difficult the first week. And then it took an extra resting day in Antwerp. After that, it went on easier, to be honest. Uh, starting to walk in France got a bit boring there because the landscape is a lot, a lot of the same stuff. But you get used to the walking every day and your mind also adjusts a bit. So from there on, it was easier. When you say your mind adjusts to it, what do you mean? Like you get used to being 12 hours with yourself uh, staring in the distance the whole day <laughs> but would without you... sorry no sorry continue my bad no there no, you go you go <laughs> would you just walk by the roadside would was there actual actual path going through fields and forests what's the what's the... a bit of both it really depended on where i was how how would you even navigate i i used google maps mostly actually but there are there are some like official roads but what I mostly did is just I, I took a, a town for the day and just put it on the maps and walk there. Wouldn't your phone die? No. So how many power banks did you have on you? Three. <laughs> ah, you had three power banks. So yeah, three power banks. So you could last a few days and and still have juice on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Okay, I see. But if you like. If you're walking all day, you almost don't use your phone, so it doesn't die that fast either. Yep. Yeah, so, you kind of get used to not using your phone, huh? Yeah, like if you, the moment you get used to being with yourselves all day, like I said, like just staring in the distance for 12 hours straight without anything, you don't need a phone, so you're not going to look at your phone. You just walk and you have, if like your phone is just in your pocket and you don't use it for 12 hours, like it maybe loses 5%. So, you know just to look at the map sometimes that's all but don't you think that people normally check their phone all the time oh yeah because it's but it's it's a different experience if you're out there in the nature and you're you know you hear the birds chirping and you're you know there's a hill there there's a forest there it's a it's a different experience than when you're let's say taking a bus to get from point a to point b in, in in the city and you know it's like i kind of understand why people are on their phone all the time in a way because yeah true 
it's it's not as 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 relaxing or exciting as being in the nature. I feel no, like no, I understand that too. I feel like people naturally tend to when you're in the nature, you your your inner self kind of syncs with the nature way way better than when well, you're in nature. Um, to be totally honest, I think most parts of the road, especially beginning North France, this part. I think most people would be on their phone if they could. The thing is, you just can't because if you're going to have your phone in front of you like this the whole time while you're walking, you're going to fall at some yep. point. <laughs> right. It's just not possible. So I think that's actually the, the best reason else I would have probably used it at the beginning as well. Oh, but you yeah? get used to it. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's boring at the beginning. What's the... <clears throat> How would you entertain yourself? Oh, I uh, used to have a lot of music on my phone and audiobooks as well. Listen to a lot of audiobooks, which is nice. Oh, okay, so you were actually listening to to stuff. You weren't fooling at, on at the own. beginning, but actually, like later on, I stopped doing that. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah. Because at the beginning, you 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 seek that kind of like distraction from your phone, mm -hmm. but you cannot touch it. So then you just listen to music or audiobooks. But eventually, like you get kind of used to it, and then. One day you stop, you, you don't listen to music for a couple hours and then you listen to an audiobook maybe. And the next day you don't do anything at all because mm -hmm. you just don't feel like it or just don't need it. So what was the most pleasant part of, of the trip? Hmm. Most pleasant part. I, I think like the journey was very long. Um, and from Spain on, which is like already two thirds done, a lot of other people started walking the road as well. Um, and here I met a lot of other people as well, other pilgrims on the road. And I met a really nice group of people and we walked for some time together and I think they were the best part of it. Mm -hmm. Did you make any friendships? Are you in touch with those yeah. people? Yeah, definitely. You get close to some people on the road. That's amazing. That's probably yeah. That that would I would I I see I see the value in it. That's really so. So what was because the big part part of the journey was walking across France, right? How was that like? Any anything worth noting? South of France was cool. North of France is a bit boring, to be honest. It's why a lot was, of the same. Why was South cool? Well, the South is like more more beautiful landscapes, and the North is very very yeah just the same 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 only the same thing only cornfields and cornfields and then more cornfields they have paris and then there's more cornfields <laughs> so it wasn't really very interesting um and it's also more difficult people are a little more harsh in the north of france so uh to get a place to sleep was always a bit more difficult in the south people are way more chill they're like ah oh, come on in come on in you know have an apple here take some peaches from the garden Oh, that's so that's so lovely. Yeah, did you cool. did you meet did you meet any mean types along the way? Any what? Mean types, mean people, unfriendly, mean people. unhelpful. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I don't speak any French, right? But I would knock on doors to ask people if I could sleep there. And well, I had a little letter that said like uh, in French, like "Bonjour, uh, I'm Frank, and I sleep here." Blah, 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 blah. And 
no context. Bonjour, I'm Frank. Can I sleep here? Of course, they would be upset. <laughs> no, a bit more explanation on the paper, of course, you know. But um, sometimes I would knock on the door and people, uh, they put their head out of the window and they, uh, they start screaming at you and I can't say anything in French. Oh, wow. so, and they wouldn't understand me. And they wouldn't That's... like read my paper so that, that they would not understand what I was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, I, I had this a couple times that people just like start screaming at you or I also had someone ask me if I spoke French and I said no and they say like oh no and they just got a door slammed in my face <laughs> like okay oh wow <laughs> uh, this, this, this happens a lot oh that's so funny that's so interesting uh, what was did you have similar problems in Spain no in Spain uh, because like there's like the famous pilgrims roads there you have a lot of people walking there. So you have special hostels for these people, like uh, called albergues. So you can just go there. They're cheap and they're made for pilgrims. So when you say cheap, how much is a night? It depends. Usually somewhere between uh, nothing and 15 euros. Oh, okay. And they sometimes come with food as well. But I mean, 15 euros, if you need to spend that every night, that, that, that adds up quickly. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, you need some money if you're gonna do it every time. But it, it it really depends. Like sometimes that's not that big of a deal because like I think most places I paid 15. You get like a breakfast with it. Uh, you can take some food for lunch as well. And then you get dinner too. So Oh wow. So they would feed you for that as well. Yeah, so if it's 15 and it's for your whole day and it's all your food, it's okay. That's okay. I agree. What, what what would be the food that they feed the pilgrim? It really depends. Just normally just people cooking. Was like it good? Whatever they want to cook. Yeah. You, overall. Did you have any health issues along the way? It's been 100 days. That's quite long. Um, no, except for blisters on my feet. Nothing, man. <laughs> How did you so feed that's those? Use. The blisters, uh, I just, you just pop them and... You pop them? Oh, oh Jesus. you pop them right away, man. Really? You gotta pop them. Yeah, you gotta really? pop them, dry them, and then uh, keep on walking. Basically, but and, and clean it. Like when you pop them, clean it. Do it clean. Sterilize everything because if it gets infected, you're fucked. <laughs> but you never had a problem like that. No, uh, no. The the first like the first four days, I think that's why they were also the most difficult. I had a lot of blisters. Mm hmm. They just grow back and they, they grow back bigger every time. But after a week, I didn't have any anymore. I I did start walking a bit weirdly after a week, but why? That was most my muscles. They like I didn't stretch enough and they tense up. So every time you stand up after sitting, I would have like need ten minutes to kind of like get back to walking normally. <laughs> that happens every time, but I've seen this happen to so many people after in, in Spain and also in France. Mm -hmm. Because they would just start from there and then they, they never popped a blister and they never stretched and they had like the exact same problems as me and I always felt like a little bit of an expert there <laughs> just looking at these people being miserable uh, knowing that I already done the same thing. Did you meet people who walked from further than you? Because you walked almost the whole deal, huh? Like you walked from um, really far. I came from pretty far, yeah. But I did meet people who walked farther. Um, really? What was the furthest? 
I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Um, but, um, well, I, I, there, there, there was... Um, I'm not sure if they were on a bike or not, but there were two brothers that we met one day and they were on their way back. Um, I think well, they I mean, came from that Italy. makes a huge difference if they were on the bike. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if they were on the bike, to be honest. I never really talked to them. I just, we, we sat at the same table where there were a lot of people and I didn't really talk to them. So I don't know, but they, they I think they came from Italy, but they were, I think they were going to Moscow or something. Wow. So that's, that's quite, <laughs> quite a long journey, but. I'm not sure how they went or how they were going from there. Yeah, true. But they definitely uh, came from farther away, I guess. Or they were going farther. Okay, so... uh, Also, how did you know what to do with the blisters? Did you read online? No. uh, I don't know, I just know. I think it's because my mom taught me or something. Like, growing up. Fair. So, you... Get to Spain, you get to actually the spot, Santiago de Compostela. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Exactly. What's, what's what's the experience like? <laughs> Glory. <laughs> yeah. No, it's beautiful, man. It's it, it's sad, but it's beautiful. Like the last day, you you want to get there, but you kind of also don't. Like I still miss the road. I I really want to go back. But and, would you want to do the same thing again, or would you just want to walk something? Oh, that's a good one. I guess both. Um, like I wouldn't walk the same exact the same road, but there, like, there are more than one. There, are, I didn't even know. I think like ten routes throughout Spain. So I would walk another one, but it's mostly just uh, being on the go. You know, there, there's a kind of like nomade experience you have when you live there. You just get your stuff, your backpack in the morning, you walk, you go to a new place, you eat, you sleep, you meet some cool people and you go on. And that's uh, it's a very peaceful way of living. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I, I definitely miss that every day. Mm. So what were the, what lessons did you learn from, from this truly amazing experience? Well, one is just you gotta do it. That that's still the most important message, I think. Just do it. Whatever you whatever you want, just do it. If you don't do it now, someone else will do it, and you will never. You will definitely miss out. Like, just go for it. That's always the the most important thing. But I think also just um, the idea to wait, and most importantly, uh, to be grateful. To be grateful. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Like my whole journey depended on other people. The, the, the first place it was a crowdfunder. I'm grateful to everyone who helped me there. And the second one was that my stays throughout France, Belgium and uh, the Netherlands, I just knocked on doors and hoped people would accept me. And some did. And I'm very grateful to all those people. And I think you, you learned how to be grateful. Like, I don't know, it's difficult to explain, but you will just experience it at some point. You're you're going to be more happy with just the simple things as well. Because that's the only things you really need. What were you eating when you were walking? 
did you have any go-to foods that like you know carried you through the I did, I did. so i would just hope i get i, I had my strategies <laughs> especially <laughs> in the beginning i didn't but in france i eventually developed strategies to this i figured out that the french people usually eat somewhere around seven eight which is perfect so in summer the sun goes down well around eight or nine throughout france depending on where you are of course but i figured this if i go to someone's house i walk all day and i start and if i'm like early in the town i just sit in the grass and chill play my ukulele a little bit or something and when i um when, when I think it's time, around five or six, I go knocking on doors. Then usually it takes me around an hour. So around six or seven, I get like a place I can go in. And then you're like, right before they have dinner. <laughs> so the, I would usually be invited to have dinner with them. And that would be like what I go to for food. <laughs> That's amazing. I also really needed that because I didn't have enough money for food. And my, my, my financial planning was really poorly. So yeah. Yeah. Huh. I thought I would make it with the amount of money I had and I was very wrong. And the pandemic made it worse because things got more expensive, especially when it comes to hostels. Hmm. How interesting. Yeah. Because my first, I, I, I thought I had money to stay at hostels and buy food, but I definitely did not. What, what was the most expensive bit of the journey? Uh, I think Spain, because mostly in Spain, I stayed in albergues, so I had to spend money daily. Mm. And people like people there also know, on the, people living on the towns that are on the road, they know about albergues. So, like, I didn't go knocking on doors there much, but if I would, they just sent you to the albergue because they're like, oh, Pellegrino, oh, you know, there's a special place for you. Go there, yeah. which makes sense. Uh, in France, not everyone knew about it. So they're just like, oh, interesting, you know, come on in. It's very different. Okay. Okay, perfect. Did you eat any good food on the road? The French cook well? Well, they have good cheese. That's for sure. They cook well too. Yeah? Yeah. I I really like the cheese. Like, it was always a funny thing. If I uh, enter like a French house, um, like in a family home or something, it's always a bit, uh, well, for most people, it's strange being a vegetarian, I guess. And um, if I say that, they are always like, oh, okay, ooh, so no sausage for you, you know, like this kind of thing. But then a lot of people confuse vegetarian uh, with vegan. Uh, I used to be vegan for some time, but it's difficult while traveling. So I don't do it then. And the French people, when dessert comes, which is basically always cheese, I always get like these, this, this look that says like, you do eat cheese, right? And then look at me like, if you don't, you sleep on the street, boy. <laughs> well, I love their cheese. Like, it's really good. <laughs> but I always get the same look. Like, if you don't like our cheese, you can just go. You can go. Go home. <laughs> I, that's so funny. So you yeah. actually stick to your vegetarian diet throughout the way. I did. I did. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, because that sounds... You not only are asking someone to host you, but you also have... on on top of that and feed you but on top of that you have to be but i am vegetarian and french well, are probably not the most vegetarian it's not the most vegetarian there. place their mcdonald's does not have a veggie burger it's yeah. very sad yeah if exactly. I, I ordered a veggie burger there once and they just offered to remove the burger 
Yeah, that's very sad. Exactly. So, so, so I, I guess that speaks to my point that not many of the families you, you, you stayed with were vegetarian. No, um, none. No, one, actually, one. One family was. One family. Oh, wow, that must But, have been a bonding experience. Oh, yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the best when you come in and they're like, oh, uh, yeah, we're about to have dinner. You want to join us? Uh, we are vegetarian, though. And I'm like, oh, yes, yes, <laughs> me too. <laughs> that's, so that's what, what, nice. but, but that one is easy. But what, 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 were you, what did you do when you... Well, it's, it's like, it's not that difficult. The thing is, I never asked for food. People always offer. So when people offer, like you can refuse. Like if I'm asking for food and they say like, we have this, you cannot kind of, you cannot really demand anything. Right. So I always make sure I just have food with me. Oh yeah, that's smart. Because you, you cannot rely that everyone's going to offer you food. Like, yeah. It's great. You, and did, most, of, most of the time I got it, but did you, have, you need a backup. Did you have situations where they didn't offer you food yeah i did a couple times but it's all right like i don't expect people to that's what i mean like with maybe some part of it of the learning experience of being grateful people don't have to do anything they don't even have to let me in like they do it out of the kindness of their heart so you can be grateful for that and if they give you food you can be more grateful but if they don't they're still great people and they're still let you in and they're just still amazing I'm like yeah Definitely. you cannot yeah. you cannot start being picky or demanding anything because it's not in my right to do that i'm just a humble human being coming through and whatever is given i will gladly take i love that i love that so what stay what, humble <laughs> yeah what I, i i was about to say that what would be your message like what would be your closing sentences for the for the listeners oh that's one uh keep on smiling Because that's what got me a place in the first place. Every time I just come in and smile as stupidly as I could. But, you know, if your smile brings another smile on someone's face, they, you make someone else happy and they probably let you in too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a good message to wrap it up. I agree with you. Thank you so much for sparing, uh, sparing some time to share your amazing stories, I think people will get tremendous amount of value out of this episode and out of, you know, li just listening and tuning into what you had to say. It's amazing that you had your crazy walking adventure and then you decided to move to Brazil and you're still going strong there. I wish you all the best brother and, you know, stay strong. We'll be in touch and, you know, all the best to you. It's amazing. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Bye guys. Bye everyone.